Lord Jehovah has spoken with me, beloved people. I know that uh, throughout this day you've been listening and you heard about the cancellation of the mission of the Lord to Australia. And now I want to elaborate and address myself onto this very important cancellation that took place today when the Lord Jehovah, the Godhead, God Almighty himself, spoke with me. It has been a continuous conversation for two weeks now plus, but uh, today being climaxed, because today is when um, I had prepared together with our teams, we were already preparing and veering and beginning to get our bearing towards Australia. All systems go, flight tickets ready, the ground ready. Senior Archbishop Dr. Amish was ready, mobilization ready, both in Perth, Australia and also in Melbourne, and everything was really set for travel to Australia. But within the backdrop of this conversation, of this preparation, there has been a continuous conversation, again, within the backdrop of this preparation for the mission to Australia. There has been a continuous, relentless, and ceaseless, behind-the-scenes conversation by the Lord Jehovah, my God, my Master, the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this conversation has been going on for quite some time. I could say two weeks or plus from this point, looking back. And so today when the Lord saw that all systems go, all preparations in place, then he heightened the conversation. And in that conversation, he restrained me. He totally restrained me from traveling to Australia, to the nation of Australia. And uh, I'm going to open up a little bit more now on that entire conversation and the reason, the underlying reasons why the Lord has told me not to go to Australia. The reasons advanced by the upper chambers of justice of the throne room of God Almighty to make, to make the determination that I should not travel to Australia at this time, a very critical time and hour in the history of the church. And, you know, we just came back from Spain and such a refreshing time in the church. The message the Lord is issuing out to the church is right now, it's like an oasis of clean, fresh, cold drinking water within a desert. And so it really uh, is very heartbreaking when the Lord comes and interrupts the mission and then advances the following reasons. Let me first give you the prophecy, and then I'll explain to you 
the greater revelation and detail and the instruction that is underneath the prophecy. Well, uh, the Lord, about two weeks ago, he took me to Australia. And he took me and began to show me the land of Australia. And in that supervision and visitation of the land of Australia, he took me across the different cities of Australia, the different uh, towns and communities of Australia, and then to the house of the Lord, the church in Australia. In other words, the different churches, the different denominations, and I'm talking about those that profess the worshipping of Christ Jesus as Lord. And at one point, he took me to the mezzanine floor by a certain city, and I sat there so I could see the traffic flowing and all that. I see this, this, um, this dark blue, almost navy blue, alubond and glass building. So I see greater detail of the streets of Australia in that tremendous conversation, beloved saints. And um, so I have been to Australia severally in the course of this preparation for the mission of Jehovah to Australia. And the Lord has been highlighting certain key and fundamental aspects of the land, fundamental features of worship in the church, those that uh, he wanted to bring to my attention. And that has been ongoing for some time within the backdrop of preparing for this mission to Australia. And I know that I was very excited about coming to the church in Australia to speak to her about the glorious stairs of heaven that the Lord Jehovah spoke to me about January 15, the year 2017. This ceaseless conversation, the non-stop conversation that has consumed the church globally, this tremendous beholding in the sky, whereby now a people that are mortal, that are not yet immortal in their presentation, still mortal beings, can now behold the stairs of heaven. They can now behold eternity with their eyes, the glorious stairs of heaven that I prophesied January 15th, the year 2017. And then the Lord lowers them on March 11th, the year 2018. This has become the biggest wonder of this age the biggest uh, illustration, the biggest hope to the church, that eternity is now beckoning, eternity is now near, eternity is now achievable, eternity is now here. And if one prepares well and makes, substant makes substantive uh, uh, gains in uh, the requirements of righteousness and holiness, but yes, for sure, eternity is achievable and that their mortal eyes have beheld the eternity that God, the God of our Lord Jesus, has pre 
prepared for his elect, for his righteous saints. And so, this is a very powerful message. It's a revival message. It's a message on prepare the way. It's an awakening message that I would have really liked. I was so excited to bring it to Australia, and there is no better time to bring it to Australia other than now, when all the nation are now involved, they have been recruited into this powerful move of God in which the Lord is deliberately preparing the nations of the earth, nation after nation, church after church, community after community, believer after believer, for the glorious coming of the Messiah. So I too, this was really the watershed moment at which I said, Australia, this is your moment. However far you are, the saving arm of the Lord, the reviving arm of grace is never too short to reach as far as Australia. However, in that preparation two weeks ago, the Lord did speak with me about some arrangements on the ground in Australia that were not favorable for coming. And then in that conversation, the Lord told me not to come to Australia. But for the two weeks, we communicated with uh, the senior archbishop in Australia, and I waited on the Lord because I knew that the cause is right. Australia needs to be given the same equal opportunity that Kenya and many other nations, Spain, have been given. However, even as we prepared, the Lord continued to talk about Australia, and then we prepared to leave, knowing that the Lord would relent and allow the message of the coming of the Messiah to sweep through Perth and Melbourne, and that would become the genesis of a new wave, a new trail that would go all the way to Sydney, to Brisbane, to Adelaide, to Canberra, and visit all cities and also give them the same equal opportunity to understand what the Lord is saying to the church at this time. However, even as we prepared our flight tickets, paid and all this, then came this morning when the Lord finally said, you are not going to Australia. And then the Lord takes me back to the conversation he had with me. There are two conversations. One, I think it's approximately more than a month ago. And another is probably a week or so ago, and Australians heard this prophecy. Then he takes me back to that prophecy. And in that prophecy and conversation of the Lord, a dreadful prophecy of Jehovah, the Lord takes me to Australia. And as I arrive into Australia, and I kind of believe that this is a path, never been to path, so really I would, uh, but I, the Lord made me know this is path, and that was really my first destination. And as I arrive into path, then a historic earthquake strike Australia. And the earthquake is so historic, it is raging. It is with rage 
It is a, a vengeful earthquake. It's a wrathful earthquake that bespeaks the unquenchable wrath of God. Because, as I said in the prophecy on the first day when I narrated, after the Lord spoke with me about this earthquake coming to Australia, it is such a massive earthquake that strikes Australia and goes non-stop and buildings are shaking and tearing and I can see the detail. In fact, the land sinks such that I see the, the, the grass that was ahead of me becomes like contours, like one level is up, the lower level that has sunk is down, another level that has sunk is down. They look more like contoured landscapes or something like that. And I see the buildings shaking and the voice of the Lord says, look, even the next hotel is rotating. So that hotel I'm looking at right now, that hotel, the foundation remains firm, and that hotel is painted cream, uh, yellowish, creamish color, and it's a tall building, and, uh, and, and the, the foundation remains firm probably up to the third or fourth floor or fifth, I don't know, but the rest of the upper floors begin to rotate left and right, grinding on the stationary foundation. It was such a, an unspeakable thing, unsightly moment, beloved people. This is what is coming to Australia. I'm trying to unveil it to you, to open it up to you stepwise, and then I'll give you the reasons and the counsel of the Lord as to how Australia can mitigate and remedy this situation. But it is a tremendous earthquake. I run for my life too. I see, and you know, when the Lord makes me run for my life, He essentially shows me, makes me feel the terror that will consume the people on the land when that earthquake strikes. And I see buildings collapsing. In fact, there is a building, a tall building. I think it's the building with the navy blue alubond and glass that the top of it plucks off and falls. I don't know how many, whether top five floors or seven or ten, they break off and fall to the street. So it's a tremendous, it's a shocking time to behold in Australia. And I see people running, try to run, but nowhere to run. I do not know why it feels more like the building I'm describing with Alubond, which is a navy blue, these so, this so-called modern buildings that you see with Alubond and navy blue and glass that is shaken until the upper part topples off is broken off. I don't know why I felt like that building was somewhere in Sydney or maybe in Melbourne or another city. I don't know why I feel so. Because this other side, I see the creamish, yellowish hotel and other buildings that are grinding. This is unbelievable. I've not seen an earthquake of this nature whereby... The, to, the, the lower floors, maybe up to the third floor, I don't know whether second, third, or fourth floor, fifth, remain stationary with the foundation, and the rest of the floors begin to grind left, swinging left, swinging right, swinging left, swinging right, meaning grinding, grinding itself on the stationary foundational uh, component that remains stable. 
and people are running in all directions. And then I'm seeing a lot of that running. Then I see some women who are homeless eventually. They are homeless. They're looking for where to stay, meaning a lot of homes collapse. I'm giving the greater detail, and this is the judgment of God coming to Australia. The Lord Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Yahweh, Jehovah Mekadishken, Jehovah El Olam, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, he has spoken with me about the judgment of God Almighty that is coming to the nation of Australia. And at the tail end of this, I'll give the counsel, what the Lord has said, the points of contradiction and controversy between the land and the Lord. And I see that as I come to Australia, tremendous earthquake strikes the nation and the land of Australia. The Australian subcontinent is a historic earthquake, beloved people. If I were to equip that earthquake, the rage and the wrath, all of you can remember very well the kind of earthquake that struck Mexico when I warned Mexico. When I warned Mexico and mentioned Puebla and mentioned all those places, Puerto Escondido and the, the, the heavens of sin, in Oaxaca, and all these places, and then you saw that when my words were fulfilled, it was such a rage and a wrath in the land that people were running across Mexico, and the cry was ranting in the air. People running, but no direction to run to, because the entire land is consumed by wrath and shaking. There's nowhere to go to, like one of the schools that collapsed, like another street that was totally consumed. People ran out and crying, literally weeping and wailing. That is the character and magnitude of shaking and wrath and earthquake that strikes Australia, where there is running, helter-skelter, everybody running in all directions, running, trying to get away from the earthquake, but almost nowhere to run to because buildings are collapsing. Then I see on my left here, I think the roofs are off, some shelter is being set, I see some ladies, they're, they're, they're white ladies, and they're trying to gather some one or two things they've run with. They're sitting down, and people are coming. They're asking, where can they stay? The other side is collapsed. I see so much detail. This is the prophecy of the judgment of the Lord Jehovah coming against the nation of Australia. And it's a tremendous wrath the tremendous earthquake that comes to Australia. And I know the exact reasons because the Lord has had a comprehensive, a very detailed conversation with me by voice regarding the reasons for this enormous historic earthquake that is coming to strike the nation of Australia. And in the process, I see that there is so much desperation they are trying to run, but almost nowhere to run because the wrath of God has consumed the land, has totally engulfed the nation of Australia. The wrath of Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Yahweh, Jehovah El Olam, Jehovah Ori, Jehovah Hamelech, Jehovah Mishfat, Hashofet, the judge, the righteous judge. And so, beloved people, 
And that's why the Lord restrains me and says, you cannot go to Australia now. And this is amazing because this is the third attempt. And I know that I'll still make a fourth attempt and come to you, Australia. However, it's very, very important that I share with you some fundamental aspects of this conversation and this prophecy that now beholds and hovers over the land of Australia. I am going to read, first of all, from the Bible before I open up the greater detail that the Lord has given me my voice and taken me across Australia and highlighted regarding this tremendous wrath that is coming over the land and the people of Australia. The book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 1, and you see, if I read King James, he says, the fall of Adam shows God's love. So you see that is the small subtitle. And then in verse 1, Malachi chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Then verse 2, he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? And then he says here, was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I love Jacob. If I read it from NIV for simplicity, he says, from verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and have turned his mountains into a wasteland, and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Verse 4, he says, I'm reading NIV now. He says, Adam may say, Thou, Adam may say, Though we have not been crushed. Again, again, beloved people, let me just reread it and calm down. He says, Though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. He goes on to say, They will be called the wicked land. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes, and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. So this was the state of controversy, beloved people,
between the Lord and Israel. And I'll give you the application on this. Don't worry. He says from verse 6 on, A son honors his father, a servant his master. If I am a father unto you, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord of hosts, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have we defiled you? Verse 8, beloved people, Malachi chapter 1. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord Yahweh. Says the Lord Jehovah. Says the Lord Almighty. Verse 9. Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Or that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light up useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. And I will not accept, I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table, it is defiled and of his food, it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured and crippled and diseased animals and offer them as sacrifice, should I accept them from your hands? Says the Lord of hosts, cast is the cheat who has a healthy and acceptable male in his flock, 
and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal unto the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Yahweh, says the Lord Jehovah, says the Lord of hosts, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations, beloved people. So, in a nutshell, beloved people, this was the state of the affair between Israel and the Lord Jehovah. And a long time had passed on. There had been some interdispensational breeze, I mean, uh, uh, a cloud or lulling, if you will. There had been some time, some lag time, between the conversation, the relentless portal of heaven that was open, and the discourse that had ensued between the throne of God and Israel, there had been this non-stop, this exchange, this conversation between the Lord Jehovah and Israel for some time. And then there came a time when that conversation kind of fizzled out. It waned out. It did wane off, waning off. And so there came some time, which was kind of a redundant time, when there wasn't much activity or action. It was not active in the way Israel was communicating with Jehovah. You remember the times of the major prophets? They were talking, they were discussing with the land. The Lord was communicating with the land. There was a vivid communion between heaven and the land. It became an important time to the extent that now when this kind of silence that Israel called, they defined it as the awful silence. It was awful that now all of a sudden there was a silence between the throne of God and the state and the nation of Israel. And that silence, they said, it was the worst moment to ever befall the land. Because at that time, they continued on with sacrifice and worship without knowing. They thought that as they continued sacrificing unto the Lord, that revival was still throbbing in the house of the Lord and in the land of Israel. That was just the state of the affair that consummated in the land of Israel. Because they continued offering sacrifice before the Lord without knowing that a dire state had already been held at the altar of the Lord. They continue offering their Paschal services before Jehovah without understanding and without being of perception to be able to perceive and know and feel that surely God is not in this, is not with us. So there was a gap, there was a mislink, there was a miscommunication, and that's why this awful silence began to consume between Israel and the God of Israel, Habakkuk. 
continued on to engage in sacrifice and sacrificing in the land as though, as though there was still a portal that was opening, that was open and an active communication, a communion between the higher faculties, between the higher chambers of authority and power and the altar of Jehovah in the land. This was just the state of the affair in the land of Israel, beloved people, in the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. And it's amazing that even after the active season, when there was a lot of heavenly envoy, heavenly mystery, you know when the Lord sends his prophet to your land, when the prophet of the Lord is speaking in the land, that is a powerful time. It's a wonderful dispensation because at least you get to know if you're walking on the right road, you get to know. If you are misled or if you have lost your way, you get to know. Better rebuke than no conversation at all. And that's why when this silence befell, it became an awful silence in Israel. And that's why it's amazing that finally the prophet Malachi comes into the scene. He comes into the scene. The stretch, the the length of time, dispensational time of that awful silence, I do not know. I cannot tell. Probably a hundred years, five hundred years, a millennium, I don't know. But there was a vivid silence between the Lord Jehovah and Israel. And then all of a sudden, in what the Swahili could call Gafla bin Vu, all of a sudden, the Lord now, boom, ushers in Malachi, the prophet of the Lord. And when Malachi hits the ground, when he hits the land, he begins now to speak the oracles of God upon the land. This is very important for all of you to understand the judgment of God against the land of Australia that has been pronounced today. From the upper chambers of justice of the Lord, the supreme judge against the nation of Australia. And you see very clearly, beloved people, that for the case of Israel, before I come to the application of this scripture to, to Australia, for the case of Israel, when suddenly after long silence, after some very conspicuous silence, some loud silence, if you will, that silence was so loud. After that silence, then Malachi, the prophet of the Lord, hits the ground, he hits the ground, but the oracles of his tongue become ominous, ominous oracles unto the, unto the land. And they did not like, it was quite distasteful. But the characteristic feature that I want to bring to your attention, beloved people, is the contestation, the apparent contestation that you see that ensues between the Lord and the land in the manner in which the Lord speaks through the prophet Malachi to the land of Israel. And this is the same contestation that you'll see has characterized the communication, the communion between the Lord and the land of Australia 
stuff I will bring to you in a short while. You hear the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah, speaking through the prophet Malachi after a conspicuous silence. Now he's talking to the nation of Israel. And you see that, that the Lord says, and Israel says, the Lord says, Israel says, you see, a son, for example, when you look at verse 6, son honors the father, his father, and a servant his master. But if I am a father unto you, where is the honor do you mean? If I am a, a master unto you, where is the respect do you mean? Says the Lord of hosts. It is you, O priests, who show contempt at my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt at your name? You see the back and forth, back and forth between Jehovah and the land. I think there was no purpose indeed for me to go to Australia at this time. Because I could deliver this message to Australia right here. Why? Because I've been to Australia not once, I think almost three times or so. And the message to Australia is as clear as the distinction between day and night. Night and day. Darkness and light. And you see here, for the case of Israel, that when Malachi, the prophet of the Lord, begins to engage, he hits the landscape. When he gets into the scene, after this awful silence, he begins now to give the narrative, to give the oracles of the Lord. He begins to give the position of the Lord unto the land. And as Malachi is administering the oracles of God concerning the land and against the land, you see very clearly that there is a contestation that characterizes that portal of heaven that is open unto the land. Finally, heaven has opened again. But there is a severe contradiction. There is a conflict. There is a contestation that characterizes the communion, the discourse. You defile my table. But you ask, how have we defiled you? How have we defiled your name? He says, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring crippled animals, so there is a back and forth, back and forth between the Lord Jehovah and Israel. You see as though Israel is operating from a point of a stronghold, a stronghold. They are trying to advocate, to advance their position towards Jehovah. They are trying to justify their form of worship. And it's kind of a deplorable worship. Because the glory of the Lord has already lifted. The humongous silence has consumed. But Israel appears as though she is not aware. She is totally unaware that the Lord Jehovah has left us. And they still think that a revival is throbbing. They still think that their worship is vibrant. And you see, the Lord is talking about the mal 
contempt unto my altar, unto my table. And you hear the priests stepping out to advance their position. They say, but how have we shown contempt unto your name? You say, by placing defiled animals. You say, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled and diseased animals, is that not wrong? And then the Lord says that the kind of sacrifice that Israel, the priests of Israel, are offering unto the Lord, the Mecca of Israel, Jehovah, is much, much lower than the kind of sacrifice they are offering their own governors. Remember, there was the governor of Judah also. They were governors at that time. That is just the level of contempt that Israel, the house of the Lord in Israel, had displayed against the Lord, the Maker, the God of Israel. That they were now courageous enough, dishonorable enough, disrespectful enough to offer sacrifice unto the Lord, which is much less, much lower than the sacrifice they offer their own governance. This is a tremendous moment, beloved people, and the application thereat, thereof. And he says, they are offering blind animals, they are offering crippled animals, diseased animals, lame animals. And it's amazing because at the end of it he says, he says, well, a cask is a cheat. It's a cheat that has a healthy male, a healthy animal to offer and chooses to be mean. So the Lord was talking about this very economical and wicked sacrifice that was going on. Meaning the people's hearts were willing to offer the right sacrifice to the Lord and to Jehovah. But the priests became very corrupt in the land to the extent that the priests kept back the healthy male, the male without defect, and they chose only the diseased animals those that are festering with wounds and so forth, the crippled, the blind ones, and they offered unto the Lord what they had, healthy male, that the people, owing to the disposition of their hearts, had brought unto the Lord. So this is the case that Malachi was advancing and prosecuting in the land of Israel before the higher courts of justice of the Lord Jehovah in heaven. And you see that this case became such a monumental case. It became case law. It became an authority now that was embedded in the Bible to be able to prosecute other cases. Like the Australian case that I'm about to do application over. But before I do so, if you look at the book of Leviticus chapter 22, verses 21. The book of Leviticus 22, beloved people. Verse 21, Leviticus 22, verses 21 to 23. Then you understand better this tremendous contestation that ensues, this conflict that ensues within the higher chambers of justice of heaven between Jehovah and Israel as the case is being prosecuted. And it says here, in the book of Leviticus, beloved people, Chapter 22, 
verse 21 on. And it says, When anyone brings from the herd or the flock a fellowship offering unto the Lord to fulfill a specific, again, to fulfill a special vow or a fire will, or a, a free will rather, a free will offering, it must be without defect or blemish to be acceptable. Verse 22. Do not, 22 is very, very central, beloved people. This is really the caveat. He says, do not offer unto the Lord blind animals or injured animals or maimed animals or anything with warts or festering wounds or running souls. Do not place any of these on the altar as an offering made unto the Lord by fire. You may, so it is so powerful, beloved people, and you can go on up to 23. Because you see, you see now the clauses that the Lord was using to be able to advance his case against the land against the misdeeds of the land, the malpractice at the altar of the Lord. And he's saying that all these stipulations were already well raised before Israel, and they were very much aware of the stipulations in the Leviticus chapter 22, verses 21 to 23, or verse 20, if you will, to 23. And yet you see that still the priesthood, they went ahead and ignored all these requirements, the exacting laws, God's pattern of worship that he had set before Israel, and they went ahead now to do the exact opposite. What do you see in the land of Australia now? I have been to Brisbane. When I was invited to Brisbane, I was shocked at the tremendous flourishing of false prophets and false apostles in the land of Australia. And I spoke very clearly. And I spoke to the land of Australia from Brisbane, and I told them, repent Australia, repent Australia, and return to your first love. I have seen the coming of the Messiah. And I saw the false apostles doing their game in the land, the false prophets doing their game in the land, the falsehood, the deception in the land of Australia. And the kind of worship going on in Australia, I could, the Lord took me across the entire land, all the churches, and he showed me that they were thinking they are going through a revival. And yet the Lord said that my end revival is a Holy Ghost revival. My end time revival is a Holy Spirit. Spirit revival. My end time revival 
is a revival that has purpose, that has the object of preparing the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah, the King. And in so doing, in so purposed, the end time revival is indeed a holiness revival, a repentance revival, a revival of the return to righteousness. So if there's any other revival that falls outside the domains, the definitions and the specifications of what I've just said about the end revival, repentance, return to righteousness, return to holiness, then that revival is not of the Lord. That becomes the exact replica of the dispensation of awful silence that consummated in Israel when they thought they were lulled to think that revival was still proceeding. But that is what you see in Australia today. You see in Australia that they have decided to offer unto the Lord the crippled animals, the diseased animals, disease sacrifice, those festering with wounds, wet wounds, lame animals, when you know very well the capability and the capacity of the Australians to worship Jesus and worship him in absolute spirit and truth and in holiness. And the Lord is saying that the worship he demands of the church at this hour is the book of Exodus chapter 11 verses 4 to 7. Exodus 11, 4 to 7. This is what he says, beloved people. That you may understand the counsel, the reasons why there is all of a sudden now a controversy between the Lord and the land of Australia. And they are so consumed in the so-called modernism. Postmodernism. Intellectualism. Theologism. Consumed in that, beloved people. And yet the Lord is saying that the times have changed in the house. And that's why you see the Lord is now finally sending me to Australia this night to deliver the message I was bringing to Australia. Now it's being delivered to Australia live, live, in real time. And so he says, in the book of Exodus chapter 11, verse 4 to 7, it says, So Moses said, this is what the Lord says, about midnight, I'll go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, both from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, the king, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the slave girl, who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Verse 6, he says, There will be loud wailing throughout the land of Egypt, worse than there has ever been, or ever will be again. 
in that land of Egypt. Verse 7. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord Jehovah makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. How powerful, beloved people. He says that the worship pattern that the Lord has set up for Australia, for the Church of Christ globally, is the worship of the blood of Jesus. And he says, anything that falls short of the worship pattern of the law of the grace, which is the blood of Jesus, is another worship. That is a diseased sacrifice. It's a crippled offering. It is a lame sacrifice, a blind animal being sacrificed before the Lord Jehovah. And we see in Exodus 11, 4 to 7, that it is the blood. It is the blood of the sacrifice of the substitute. That when the verdict about Egypt was being passed in the upper chambers of justice of the throne of God Almighty in heaven, the place I have been to. When that verdict was being passed on both the church and Israel, on humanity, then Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God, became a substitute. He offered himself and he said, look, however, because the wages of sin is death, that was the writing of the judgment. However, for Israel and the church, and those that believe, those that worship Jesus, I shall be the substitute and pay the surety. That now, the perfect blood of the perfect Lamb of God has been shed already in the laying of the foundation of the earth for worship. That the blood, the perfect blood of Jesus has now been offered for Israel and the church, the believers in Christ. For Australia. And you see in verse 11, in chapter 11 of Exodus, uh, verses 4 to 7, he says, However, even as the Lord is going to come and kill every firstborn and bring death into every household, even the beasts, their firstborn, to bring wailing unto the land, to bring judgment unto the land of Egypt. He says, However, because in the family of God that includes Israel and the church, now Christ Jesus is the firstborn son. And he has already offered himself as a surety for the church, as a substitute death. Death. Substitute death. 
for Israel and the church, for those that will believe in him. And that's why he says, well, in the last verse of chapter 11, verse 7, or what we read, he says, however, you will also understand that the Lord, he makes a distinction between Israel and Egypt. Why? Because now Israel is going to take a lamb that you see in Exodus chapter 5, beloved people. Exodus 12, brother, verse 5. Where it says, Exodus 12, verse 5, and it says that you are to take, again, again, the animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. So he's talking about without defect that every Israeli, every Israelite, household is to take a lamb without defect. And if you look at the protocol, there is a whole arrangement where you choose the animals and you are given a day or two or so to inspect the animal to ensure that the animal has no defect, is without defect. So this aspect of without defect became the centrality, the central of the sacrifice, became the anchor upon which the sacrifice was offered. So you see, Christ, the firstborn of the household, the family of God, the church and Israel, has already been offered to lay the foundation of the earth. And then, now in Egypt, they are told to take a lamb, a male lamb without defect, and sacrifice and sprinkle the blood on the door frames and the door posts. And he says here, in verse 12, beloved people, he says, verse, verse 7 to begin with, then they are to take some of the blood and put on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they are to eat the lamb, where, where, where they live. And then he says, verse 12, On that same night, I'll pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both man and beast. And I'll bring judgment to all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Verse 13, he says, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I'll pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Very powerful, beloved people. You now see the instruction to the land of Australia. The Lord is saying that he has already set up the worship pattern for the covenant of the grace, and that the worship pattern of the church is the blood of of Christ Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. But when you pursue the inner detailing of the sacrifice of blood on the cross, you find that because he is holy and he died for sin, so that sacrifice is holy. So Christ is sinless without defect. Now he can die for the church, and therefore all those that come to him, 
they too, it is required of them now that they be separated from sin owing to capacity, capability, and the power of the Holy Spirit that enables the church to separate from sin. And he says, only the blood makes the distinction. That when you are covered with the blood, he says, he shall see the blood for Israel. That blood became the symbolism of Christ that would die for the sins of the church, the sins of men. The universal sin that Adam committed. But for the church, he has already now died. And Israel too, of course. But I'm talking about the import and the application of this scripture to Australia now. That how come Australia is worshipping, they claim to be worshipping Christ Jesus. But with Jesus, is this your worshipping that allows you to have a free for all, to have gay churches, homosexuality in the church, homosexual friendly churches, to have women cohabiting with men without marriage, to have modernism and the perverting and the twisting of the gospel of the cross and the blood, the gospel of modernism. What kind of sacrifice is this Australia is offering unto the Lord? And at what time are you doing so? When it's too late. When the glorious stairs of heaven have been lowered. They've been lowered into the sky. Look at the book of John, beloved people. John chapter 19. To build a tremendous case against the church and the land of Australia. John chapter 19, verse 4, beloved people. Look at what he says. John 19, 4 to 6. He says, Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no defect. I find no basis to charge this man. No charge against this man. I find no charge. And he says, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorn and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. So as soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate came out to confirm that this is the perfect lamb of God without defect that dies for the sin of all men and establishes the worship in the church, the holy worship of the blood of Jesus without defect. And if he establishes that type of worship, then now you see from the book of Hebrews, beloved people, in the book of Hebrews, then you see him advance his case. In the book of Hebrews, precious people, Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6, you're all familiar with these scriptures on the abuse of the grace. So he's asking Australia, then if the hour of the coming of the Messiah has drawn nigh, and that this is the hour at which the worshipping of the blood of Jesus is supposed to be climaxed. 
then what is Australia still doing in worshipping in sin? In worshipping another? Worshipping modernism? Worshipping modern theology, liberal theology, homosexuals are accepted. And the reason homosexuality has been legislated on and enshrined in the laws of Australia is because of the failure of the church. Because it is you, all priests, that show contempt unto my table. You say that the Lord's table is contemptible. Australia. It is the priests that are defiling the church. They are defiling the land because he's saying that the people in their hearts, they have a disposition as to worship the Lord right. But it is the priests that are constantly, they are corrupt and they are keeping the games, keeping the healthy male when they are, they are able, they are supposed to offer and they are offering the blind, the crippled, the defective, those festering with wounds. Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, and those who have shared in the Holy Spirit, those who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, that if they fall away, it is impossible for them to be brought back to repentance because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public shame. When you watch the big churches of Australia dancing, dancing music, dancing there, it's all about pomp and color, pomp and party atmosphere, and nothing about righteousness. And the tongues of the priests are mute to righteousness. Their tongues are mute and silent to holiness. And yet the hour to trumpet righteousness in Australia is now. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, he completes by saying, For without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. So which Lord will Australia see without being taught holiness on a perpetual basis, on a daily basis? until they live in it. Which Lord will you see then? When everybody will be going on to see the Lord Jesus and to see the Father in heaven and to see the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And he says, the modernism in Australia, the abortions in the church, the secularism, the worldliness in the church, and unfortunately they displayed on global TV, so it's a humiliation unto the Lord. He says, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Jesus to public Meaning other religions now look at the church with their tight trousers, their short miniskirts. They are sitting there. The television is showing them. The ladies have lifted their legs and their short dresses. And the other religions, now Jesus is humiliated in their eyes. And he says, it is you, all priests, that show contempt unto my house. And he says, oh, that somebody may rush 
and shut the temple doors that I may not get to see your useless fires. We all know too well, beloved people, too well right now, that the Lord in Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus came and died as a perfect lamb of God. For which purpose? This is the purpose for which he died. Isaiah 61 verse 10. Look at this now. He died that you may have the following. He says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. And he has arrayed me with the robes of righteousness. Look at the garment that the church in Australia is supposed to have been wearing now. The garment of righteousness. And the prophecy of that garment we are all familiar with. Nobody is young anymore in the church because of the dispensation of the release of the Spirit of the Lord at this hour, beloved people. The prophecy of that garment was offered in the garden in Genesis 3.21 when he said, The Lord God made garment of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. When men had fallen, that was the four prophecy that was saying, look, the Messiah would come and be slaughtered and would now by purchase, by force, a garment of salvation, the robes of righteousness for the church in Australia and the body of Christ globally. Why is the church in Australia not wearing righteousness, the garment of righteousness, and they purport to be worshipping Jesus? Look at the case that the Lord is prosecuting today against the land of Australia before the higher court of justice, before Jehovah Shofet, the high, the most high judge. And he says that in Genesis 3.21, as you have seen, that was the four prophecy, beloved people, of that garment that would come the garment the Messiah would give all the nations. But tonight I am focused on the church in Australia. Would give the church of Australia to wear. And he says the following about that garment. Look at that now. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 on. But I am reading right now verse 8. Look at that now. Revelation 19, look at verse 8. He says, Fine linen, bright and clean, was given hot wear. And he says, Finaliness stands for the righteousness of the saints. And if you read before, let us rejoice and be glad for the wedding of the Lamb. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. It's talking about the coming of the Messiah. And the garment that the Church of Christ in Australia ought to be wearing now, it says, Finaliness, bright and clean, was given the Church in Australia to wear. And it says, that linen is bright. Meaning when the church wears, the entire nation of Australia, whether you are gay or you are homosexual or you are lesbian or LGBT or transsexual or you are in the bar, in the nightclubs, you are alcoholic, you are atheist, you can see the light of that garment bright and clean and be drawn to it. Hey, how can you be worshipping when you are not wearing the fine linen? bright and clean that the Lord purchased in Genesis 3.21 and Isaiah 61 verse 10. 
And he goes on to say, beloved people, if you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verse 15, look at what he says about that garment. He says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Meaning, either you are wearing the garment of righteousness, or you are worshipping in nakedness. Look at that. The centrality of the garment of worship. The garment of worship Australia forgot. The church in Australia forgot. She began to worship in nudity. She did not know that there is a requirement. There is a worship pattern. There is a central theme that a paradigm that the Lord set up that governs the worship of the grace of Jesus. Look at the horrendous price he paid for that garment in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, 52, verse 13 to 15, and 53, verse 1 on. He says, he was disfigured beyond human likeness in the process of purchasing the garment for Australia. Who taught you, Australia, to worship homosexuality? Who lied to you that the scripture in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 24, all the way to 28, has been deleted from the Bible, has been repealed? Who lied to you? He says they were so perverted that they were inflamed up one after the other, men after men and so forth, and the Lord therefore gave them, gave up unto them for the degradation of their bodies with one another. Australia! What kind of worship is this when you're sacrificing diseased animals and you think you are throbbing with revival in your worldliness and you are showing it globally on global TV? Who lied to you? What is the problem with Australia? Now look, I have seen a tremendous wrath of God coming to you. I've seen the judgment of the Lord coming to you. A tremendous earthquake. I see buildings rotating on their foundations. It is shocking. It will rend your heart. You will try to run, but you cannot get away. I have seen the Messiah coming, Australia. I have seen the coming of the Messiah. Dr. Amish, that was trying to bring me to Australia, he has accomplished his work. He has finished his work. He has his reward. Because he has already invited me to Australia. And I have delivered the message of the Lord unto Australia. So really, really, it is now incumbent upon you, Australia to hearken unto the Lord. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. This is why I give you this command today. Hey. He redeemed us from slavery too. He redeemed us from slavery to sin. And he gave us the worship of the cross and the blood. The Australians 
are too modern. They cannot worship the old rugged cross at this hour. They cannot. There is liberal theology. Oh, Australia always believes they are the top in the world. If you look at their pride, oh my, which heaven will you enter with that pride? You always think you know it all, but you are wrong. I'm sorry to tell you, the Lord Yahweh has spoken with me. I am sorry. Your state is pitiful. You are naked. You are not wearing the garment of righteousness. Oh, how sorry is your state. And when the Lord comes, you will go to hell if you don't repent. Australia must repent. This is the message I was bringing to Australia, that you must repent from the leadership in government, all the, the smallest maiden servants, all through the churches and the priests, the pastors, the false prophets must relinquish falsehood and repent. That a revival may come to you the way you see in Kenya. The two dreadful witnesses of Jehovah have shaped into the earth. You cannot afford to ignore them. Never, ever. You dare and see on that day. Dare the Lord and see. He will prove to you you are really mistaken and very confused. And in vanity, absolute vanity, Australia. Which modernism will you enter with into heaven? In heaven, there will not be a modern Christian. However, there will be a righteous Christian, a holy Christian. You think you have revival and you are dancing disco. You are dancing disco in churches and showing the world. Who taught you that worship person? Lastful worship. Hollywood worship, showbiz, show business, Hollywood. Who taught you that type of Hollywood business? Who taught you that type of worship? Yet the Lord said, this is the worship pattern I established for you today. That the blood of Jesus has been poured unto thee. And that now the church must wear the garment of righteousness, the garment of salvation, the garment of holiness, the garment of worship, the garment of eternity, the garment of heaven. Which heaven will Australia go to? Now look, the wrath of God has come your way. I see you running, but you cannot get away from the Lord's wrath. Nobody can run from the Lord. Oh, I see his fury. He's coming furious and vicious against you. Oh, I have seen you a day. I've seen the cry. I've seen the flow of your tears. I've seen you weep until you lie on the ground. Oh, he comes to establish to you that that is my servant. And I have sent them to prepare the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And that you must be able to submit to their counsel or you don't enter the kingdom of the Messiah. I speak judgment to the nation of Australia today. I have spoken a massive earthquake, historic earthquake that will ravage the land of Australia if you don't repent. And the honors and responsibility, the responsibilities upon the priests. The pastors, it is you all priests 
who defile and show contempt unto my name, says the Lord Almighty. The disposition of the hearts of the people are willing, but the priests are corrupt. They cannot place a healthy male on the Lord's table. And Pilate said, look, I find no defects on him. And he was placed on the table and sacrificed before the Lord. The priests of Australia, the pastors of Australia, in Brisbane, in Melbourne, in Adelaide, in Canberra, in Perth, wherever, they are not able to place the perfect blood of Jesus onto the Lord's table for sacrifice. They are corrupt. Repent, Australia. Repent the church in Australia. Turn away from sin. Return to righteousness. Be holy. The Messiah is coming. I have seen you a day. I have seen your surveil. I have seen the wrath of God consume you. Rattle the land. And when it all happens, and it will happen soon, you shall know that the Lord Almighty, He has spoken. Shalom Toda. Toda Rava. Toda Elohim.